This is Jessica Martinez, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. We made it to episode 10! Woohoo! I'm so excited to be at episode 10. This has been such a wonderful journey, and I'm so excited to see what more comes down the line. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting, and I would super, super love your help. Just a little reminder, if you're enjoying... Or even if you're not, you can leave me a bad review. That's okay. I want to see how I can improve. (laughs) Head on over to iTunes and please subscribe and rate and leave a review for me so I can see how I can make your listening experience a much better one. Today I am here to share with you a story of a resilient mama of three who experienced three completely different birthing experiences and she's here to share them with us. Also, I want to take a moment to acknowledge that coming up in October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. The exact date is October 15th, but I wanted to share this episode today with you the last week in September because Paige, our guest coming up, was kind enough to share that she experienced a loss and that date was September 27th. So I thought it was perfect to share this episode today to honor her sweet angel. And I want to take a moment as well to honor all of your angels who may have passed, or angels that you may have known. Now please enjoy Paige Kupel. So today I want to talk to you because you have three babies and you had three very different birthing journeys, is that correct? Very different, yes. Yeah. So first of all, before we dive into that, I want to take us back to before you had a family and what was life like then? Well, I was very young when I had my first daughter. Um, so basically I had her right as I was entering adulthood. So (laughs) (laughs) mom life started very early. I was in, yeah, I was in college working full time. Um, so yeah, I wasn't a stay-at-home mom with my first daughter. And how did, so you were working full-time, and how did you manage that? Did you have the support of friends and family? or That is before I moved to St. Louis, and I was around my immediate family, and they, yeah, they did. They helped me so much. What was, what was her experience like, both your pregnancy and then the birth of her? My pregnancy was pretty easy. Um, I had some morning sickness, but overall it was healthy. Um, yeah, easy delivery. I was actually induced and I had a very easy vaginal birth and nothing. Yeah. I mean, I never expected to have the experiences later that I've had. And so at that point, being so young and now looking back on it as you've had two more children, do you find that there was any difference being so young in having a baby? Like, did you, do you wish you had known more or was your body, did it bounce back faster or anything like that? It probably did bounce back a little faster, but overall from my second to my third I realized that it was really about like what I put in during my pregnancy 
staying active, eating well, you know, those made the biggest changes. I do think being young with the first one, I had a little bit of it, you know, some advantages, but not, not fully. And so how long after you had your first, did you then have your second? So my husband and I have been married for five years. Um, Savannah has a different dad. So whenever we got married, we got pregnant pretty quickly. Um, so Savannah was almost six years old. And we went through um, about a year of infertility and two losses before wow. I became pregnant with Scarlett. So I did not expect that because I had a baby so young and, you know, there, like, there were no issues at all. So it was, it was shocking. Yeah. Did they give you any information as far as what that was, what was causing it? Well, I had went to a couple different doctors and I was actually getting ready to start like IVF medication. And then I became pregnant. So I did have like onset PCOS and I had some fibroids and I had a lot of health issues. So that definitely brought me to a place of, okay, this is already my profession. I was already a personal trainer at this point. Like I really had to take a step back and look at my life and make even greater health choices, like change it, like change everything about what I was doing. What do you, cause if you don't mind, I'd just like to touch on this because recently I've been hearing from so many people about miscarriage and loss and it would just be interesting to touch on this for a second because I know a lot of moms and women struggle with this um, and I don't feel like it's talked about enough. And so what what was that like for you and how did you kind of move past that? You know, my first loss was at about eight weeks. And that one, and this might seem a little weird to some people, but that one I was more accepting of. Um, I had known a couple people to have miscarriages. It was early. Of course, the experience was painful and I was upset by it, but I was like, okay, it's going to be all right. We can try again. And so after that, that's when it took me another year to get pregnant. Oh. So I really was that that was like the start of my journey of having issues with conceiving. And so then about a year later, I conceived another baby. Um, I delivered her actually at 19 weeks. Oh, wow. So it's interesting that we're talking about this right now because it's getting ready on September 27th. It'll be um, the four-year anniversary of her loss. Um, oh, Paige, thanks for sharing this. We didn't necessarily no. <laughs> get in this route, but if you don't mind, no. I think it's really important for people to hear. No, it is definitely. I'm very open about it. I've been open about it on social media and trying to spread awareness. Um, that loss was a lot harder for me to deal with because we 
post, we, I waited till 12 weeks and then we posted that we're having a baby. I mean, everybody knew we were excited. We knew we were having a girl. Um, and then at 16 weeks, I started bleeding and I went into the hospital and they were like, oh, it, it was just, you know, it's normal. You'll be fine. And then I went into my doctor later and my cervix had shortened. And so I was immediately put on bed rest Mm. and bed rest didn't help. It just kept, my cervix kept getting shorter and shorter and eventually my water broke and, um, yeah. And then she was delivered. How long were you in the hospital for? So there were a couple different stents. I was at home on bed rest first, and then I was sent um, into the hospital, and I was in the hospital for about nine days. And then they basically said I was just losing more and more fluid. Her heart rate was dropping slowly. Um, I was just, it, nothing was getting better. It was just continuing to get worse. And the hospital I was at was a Catholic hospital. So until I delivered, or until I had a serious medical condition, like an infection, there was absolutely nothing that they could do for me. So they sent me home to wait for for me to deliver this baby. Um, And it was a very hard decision to make. But after, you know, a few weeks, I just had to make the decision to go into a different hospital and deliver because I could have delivered her at home. It was a very, very scary situation. I could have gotten an infection. You know, there were a lot of different things that could have happened. So my husband and I made the decision to go in and deliver her. We got to hold her and take photos and spend some time with her, but she had passed before we, before I delivered her. Wow. How did that impact your relationship and how did you move past that together? You know, it made us a lot stronger. We, I feel like it emotionally brought us together more. We Mm. both have had interesting childhoods and backgrounds and emotional connection was always something that we were always working towards, but it was a struggle. And this definitely brought us together. And we've only grown, I'm sorry, we've only grown stronger since. And so in the moment, it was really hard. And still, I get choked up talking about it. Of course. But I can definitely see the reasoning for it. I can definitely see good things that came out of it and how much stronger we are because of it. So then at what point did you decide to continue and try to push on right away or did you wait some time? I actually got pregnant with Scarlett, my daughter who just turned three, in January of the next year. So like four months later, I was pregnant again. And what did that experience look like for you? Well, I was definitely stressed. (laughs) Um, And I was seeing a high-risk doctor, and my pregnancy with her was complicated. I actually had a procedure done. It's called a cerclage, and it's basically a stitch that they go in to put into your cervix to keep it closed. 
Is that because in this previous one, it had been getting smaller? Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was shortening and opening. So this was basically a preventative for that. Mm -hmm. And I was on a lot of medications. I was limited to lifting 10 pounds my entire pregnancy. Wow. (laughs) So as someone who is extremely active and really in the best shape of my life prior to this, at the end of my pregnancy, I was beat down emotionally, physically, and then my labor, um, I ended up, well, Scarlett ended up turning breech at Mm -hmm. 37 weeks. And so we scheduled a C-section and I went in and she had turned back around. So they induced me instead. Wow. (laughs) So I, yeah, it was quite the pregnancy. So back and forth. Yeah. So I labored for 24 hours and basically it was a failed induction. She wasn't ready to be born is what I truly believe. Mm -hmm. And, um, looking back on it, I should have just went home and waited for labor to start, but I was so tired and just over it that I was like, okay, my doctor wanted to do a C-section. I said, yes. And then my journey with a section began. And what was that? I mean, I've heard so many stories about, I was actually C-section, but I've heard so many stories about C-sections and I feel like sometimes they're not talked about enough either. Yeah. But was that something that was thrown on you or did they prep you at all for that? um, Well, whenever she was breech, I knew like we had a scheduled C-section, but then when we went in and I was able to be induced. I was like, okay, I'm just, I can do this. I've had a vaginal delivery before. I was so, so thankful that she had turned around because I did not want major surgery. Um, And this is, I am not shaming anyone. It was just a personal choice that I felt like a vaginal birth would be easier recovery than a C-section. And I had had plenty of friends that had had C-sections and it was difficult for them. So... I feel like since I did labor for 24 hours, combined with the fact that my body was just broken, it was exhausted. I had lost every ounce of muscle. I was, my legs were just so scrawny because of not being able to do anything my whole pregnancy. Yeah. And it was a very hard recovery for me. It took months for me to get back to be able to even walk around the block. And how did you manage that too? Because then you have a baby that clearly you have to, you know, move around and and manage. And then you have your other child. Yeah, it was really hard. It was stressful. Scarlett was also a difficult baby. So there were just multitudes of like stress factors. But ultimately, I knew I had to really focus on my health. So at about three months postpartum, I waited longer than six weeks. You know, I had a C-section, major surgery. So I waited like 10 to 12 weeks before I started um, walking or working out again. And I just started very slow. I started with three-pound weights or body weight exercises. 
and it just built from there. And I progressed a little each week. And after her first birthday, my husband and I actually ran our first half marathon. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I was still so proud of it because I mean, I literally could not walk around the block a year before that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's a huge accomplishment, especially with a little one at home. And and how how old was your oldest? She was seven. She was seven, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure she could help a little bit, but still, she had her own things going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was in school all day long. And, you know, it was tough for me, too, because with all of these losses and taking time from her and all of these doctor's appointments and all of these things, you know, it was her and I for so long. So emotionally, I felt like I was losing my connection with her. Right. Um, So that was another obstacle to overcome, but she is a great kid. We have really, you know, been honest with her about her sister that passed and She's a great big sister. She, yeah, she's just a great kid. Oh, when you wanted to go for a third, did you decide to approach that one any differently? And do you feel like you had been physically recovered, for lack of a better word, or in a better place? I felt mentally I was prepared and physically. Um, I felt like I was definitely in the best shape of my life up until that point. Because after the half marathon, like I just kept going and Mm. I got pregnant with Jack, who was eight months old when Scarlett was about 19 months old. So after the marathon, another, another, um, six Six months, months. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. The half marathon was in October. And then we found out we were pregnant with him in March the next year. Yeah. Well, and I think that was the marathon was probably a good hurdle for you. You know, yeah. it was probably yeah. a good milestone to know that you had gotten there and overcome so much. And now we're in such a better place. And I'm sure that not only did that exercise help you physically, obviously, but I'm sure so much mentally it helped you to just really clear your mind and know that you were doing all all that you could definitely yeah and so then when you decided to have the third were you apprehensive about anything did you set anything up differently did you start or continue exercising throughout or what ended up happening with that so I definitely scaled my exercise back um because I didn't want I didn't want to push it was that recommended by your doctor or? No, no, it wasn't. It was mostly for me mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that. I made an appointment with my OB that, per- that um, performed Scarlet C-section that I seen that pregnancy. And ultimately I decided to take a more natural approach. I felt very strongly that my C-section was not, um, it just, I don't think it was what needed to be done. Mm-hmm. So I decided to look into hiring a midwife and we have a birthing center here in St. Louis 
at a really reputable hospital and they have a team of midwives. And um, I made an appointment with them and they took on my case, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better saying, because yeah. I had definitely like not just going in and having an easy natural delivery. You know, there was definitely things to think about. A history. And yeah. And they they decided, you know, like we think that it's a good fit. I was overseen by an OB, so there was someone there in case of an emergency. But basically say naturally just to clarify, you mean at home naturally or just without C section naturally? So I planned for a VBAC vaginal birth after C-section, but I did want a medication-free delivery. It was not at home because I was seen through the birthing center. So I did deliver in a low intervention hospital room. And I felt comfortable with that. Like I actually have met moms who have VBACs at home, but it just made, like I wasn't prepared for it. I was like, I could attempt this in a hospital just in case of an emergency. Absolutely. So I really um, did a lot of meditating and a lot of breathing exercises and just listening to podcasts and reading books. Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. I read those stories over and over and over again, positive birth stories to prepare myself mentally for this experience. And I did have a successful VBAC, but I was left um, emotionally unhappy with the experience because I didn't prepare myself for the possibility of not being satisfied with this. And when you say not being satisfied, what do you mean by that? Okay, so um, my expectation was that I was going to have a beautiful, natural birth. I was going to have a much easier recovery, hopefully a shorter labor, that I'd be able to catch my baby. You know, those beautiful pictures you see. Okay, that was my expectation. (laughs) I follow some of them on Instagram and it's a combination of like, when I'm on the subway, sometimes a picture (laughs) pops up and I'm like, oh God, I hope no one sees (laughs) just that. But then it's like, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's, you can't not look at it. You know, you're just fascinated and it's amazing. Okay, so that's what you had in mind. (laughs) That's what I had in mind, okay? And Here's what happened. Um, I did not have a short labor. I actually had padromal labor for a month, one month of contractions every what? single day. How I went? How is that possible? I've never heard of that. They just come and go. They just they never pick up, um, and it could be caused from your baby not being in the right position, which is exactly what was going on with me. Um, And I was seeing a chiropractor. I was doing um, exercises from a website called Spinning Babies. I was doing everything to get my baby in a good position. But it just, yeah. So I had these contractions every day, every day for a month. Wow. I went a whole week past my due date. And things finally started to pick up around, I was 40 weeks and about four or five days. And I labored for two nights all night long. Things would pick up. 
I mean, intense labor. Like I couldn't sleep. And then the next morning they'd go away. So finally I went in, I was in real labor. I labored all night. We went into the birthing center. Um, I did have my midwife break my water, which some people would not classify that as a natural birth because my water didn't break on my own. But I'm telling you, I was exhausted from all of this. So it was good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my baby was engaged finally, and she broke my water, and that's when labor really started to pick up. That was at about 5 in the morning, and I delivered him at 7 a.m., like 7.02, mm. somewhere. Maybe it was 7.20. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> With your third child, you don't remember yeah. all the little details. Exactly. But what happened was, since he wasn't in a good position, I was having a ton of hip pain. And I was having a really hard time. Like, I couldn't sit. So I had to stand my whole labor and my legs were so sore. And my hips, like, that's where a lot of my labor was, was in my hips. And his shoulder was actually stuck on my pelvis bone. Mm. And so my midwife had to put her hand inside of me and unhook his shoulder, which at the time you're in, you're just doing it. Like you don't realize really, or I didn't realize because I was so exhausted from the last two days, I was kind of in and out of it and falling asleep. If you can believe this, I was falling asleep between pushes. Yeah. And I only had to push for about 10 minutes, but his shoulder was stuck for about 20 seconds. And I heard them yelling, you have to push, like push, push, push. And so I did. And I felt something painful, but I mean, when you're delivering a baby and you can't see what's going on, you're just like, okay, yeah. you think it's just normal, uh, right? Everything's painful. <laughs> yeah. So, um, he, I did not get to hold him. I did not get to do delayed cord clamping. He was immediately rushed to the NICU team. And to be honest, I felt a sense of relief that I didn't have to hold him right away because I was so out of it. I lost quite a bit of blood, Mm. but, um, I was okay. I was stable. I was fine, but I just felt very, you know, and sit nauseous and sick. And that's not what I, that's not what I had prepared for. Yeah. So a part of me felt less than because I didn't want to hold my baby. And even when they gave them to me, finally, after about 10 minutes, I asked my husband to do skin on skin with him because I just needed to recover. I really wasn't in that much pain at that point, but the medic, they did have to give me medications for the blood loss and all of that was going through my system. And I was processing what had happened and he was breathing, but was he really okay? And what, you know, I just, it was all a whirlwind. So now why did they have to take him over to the NICU? Because, um, he, the cord was wrapped around his neck and he had, um, meconium. He had used the bathroom in the birth canal. So he did have a few issues, few issues breathing right after birth, Mm. but he was, he was fine. Yeah. We didn't have any other issues after that. Wow. So So, yeah, it was just not what I expected. (laughs) Yeah. 
But now looking back on all three experiences, would you change anything or would no. you do anything different? No, I would have a natural birth again. I do not plan to have any more babies, but I would do all of it over again because it was an easier recovery. I just expected it to be easier than it was, but it was only hard. It was only a little harder because of the extra, um, like her putting her hands inside of me definitely like stretched those muscles. So I had a few issues and I've actually been seeing a pelvic floor therapist. I'm still going for months. Mm. Um, It's getting better, but that definitely just was a hiccup that I, I didn't prepare for. And I feel like whenever you're preparing for a natural birth, you see all the beautiful things and that's great, but there are things that can come up. We have to be flexible. And that's just something going into motherhood, like that I've had to learn the hard way is that nothing goes your way anymore. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you can, you can have a perfect birth plan and you know what, for some people it does, it does go their way, but for the majority it doesn't. Hmm. And we have to be flexible and we have to, you know, just go with the flow. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a journey. My goodness. <laughs> it has been. Yeah, it really has. And so now you have three beautiful kids. And yep. let me just tell you, you are so, I mean, you're literally active, but like literally physically active on Instagram, at least every single day. So. It seems as though this is something that's continued on with you for a long time, but where do you, where do you get that desire, that energy, that push every single day to, you know, continue to do yoga while your kids are climbing on top of each other? And how do you make that work? (laughs) You know, I would love to wake up early every morning and my kids sleep in and I would get that time to myself. but just like today, it didn't happen. My baby was up at 5.30 and I actually have not done my workout today, but it's, it's honestly just investing in myself. I know that I am a better mom, a better wife, a better person if I give myself some time to work on me. Yeah. And I've learned the hard way of not doing it. And it. I struggled a lot more. And I do want to mention one thing here. Postpartum, up until about six, until Jack was about six months old, I gave myself a lot of grace. I slept in. I did not have my morning routine. If he magically slept better one night, maybe I did get up a little bit early and do some things. But I gave myself a lot of grace through that postpartum period. And it's only now that I'm getting back to that and I do feel like a whole new person having that routine again. He's how old now? He is eight and a half months. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the fact, too, that you give, whether it's now or when it was in between the pregnancies, that you give yourself that time, that you eat well, and that you do, even with your kids running all over the place, that you do take the time to get, even if it's just a stretch in, I mean, I think that helped with all of your journeys back and forth through childbirth. I mean, clearly you had 
ups and downs with all of them. And your body might not have been able to bounce back had you not been so persistent to stay active. Oh, yeah. I believe fully that I have had an easier postpartum journey because I was active and I did eat well and stay consistent with exercise during his pregnancy. Um, but the funny thing is I gained the same amount of weight with all of my pregnancies. Oh, wow. That is interesting. <laughs> so even Scarlett's pregnancy when I was on bed rest and was exhausted and eating junk food all the time, I still gained the same amount of weight, but I, it was a harder transition to get back to what I feel like optimal health. It's not about the weight for me. It's about feeling good. Right. Absolutely. And so do you have any tips for moms who are new moms or even not brand new moms, but who are just trying to fit something in? I mean, I know that it can be so hard timing wise. And is it just a matter of doing it? I think just starting small, not putting too many expectations on yourself. It's a lot to take in. <laughs> and then even so, if you have had your second or your third, it only brings more responsibility and less time, less time for yourself. Um, that's for stay at home moms and working moms. Like I've done both. I, it's both are definitely hard and it's kind of funny. I thought that I was going to go into being a stay-at-home mom and I was going to have all this time for myself, but that's not the truth. <laughs> so I think it's just starting small, having small expectations, and a, even if you just have to stretch for five minutes a day while your baby is laying in, in the floor, like if you are nursing or you have just fed your baby, lay them in the floor and then just do a little bit of stretching and just add on slowly over time. Yeah, that's that's good advice because I know that it can be thought of as a certain level or a certain expectation, but it's, I like the phrase, um, just in life, I like to use this a lot, don't get it perfect, just get it started. Exactly. And I think it's something similar to that. Yeah. But I think as your body probably starts to respond and get used to that feeling, it'll just inspire you to do even more, I would imagine. Definitely. And it definitely gets easier. Um, I have a really good friend. We text every single day about our kids. Our, she has two little ones too, and they're a, around the same age as my two little ones. Mm -hmm. And right now, all of our kids are on like ap opposite nap schedules. <laughs> so like Jack takes a morning nap and then Scarlett takes an afternoon nap and then he takes an afternoon. So it's somebody's napping all day long. So it's hard to get yeah. out of the house. It's hard to have five minutes to yourself. But seasons change. A year from now, Scarlett probably won't be napping at all, but she'll be able to have some quiet time in her room and he will be on one nap a day at the same time. So I know in that season of life, I'm going to have more time. And then in the next season of life, he will be in preschool two mornings a week, just like Scarlett. You know, there's, it changes so rapidly. And so right now I'm in the season of, okay, someone's napping all day long. I don't have a lot of time for myself, but I can get up an hour earlier in the morning 
if we've all had a good night of sleep. And that's what I hold on to. And it's not perfect every day and that's okay. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable, especially in talking about your loss. I think that's really important. And um, I appreciate you sharing that. I know it was unexpected. Yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. You're um, so the, the last question that I have is one of my favorites to ask. And it is, what is something that you want to tell your kids? You can do it individually or, or uh, just all together. But what is something that you want to tell your kids when they are 18 now? What would you like to, to remind them of? I just want them to always know their worth and to believe in themselves and to know that they are so loved and supported. That is definitely something as an adult that I am still working through <laughs> and has been a huge journey in my role in motherhood. And I just, yeah, I just want them to always be confident human beings. Yeah. Well, I think all of that kind of goes hand in hand, you know, you taking time for yourself and showing your kids that that's important. I think that helps them value themselves and know their worth, you know? I hope so. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm so glad we were able to chat. Yeah, me too. Thank you. The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms. And I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter, and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at The Pumping Podcast, and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping. <laughs>